thank you. I am back. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Dressing gowns made us all think of different things. You might think of words like cosy or warm or snuggly, home time. Now, because we're all different, I want to share what it made me think of. It made me think of words like exhausted, broken, not coping, slow, or worst of all, not good enough. My dressing gown represented the shame that I couldn't live the way that I wanted to. I loathed the times that people caught me wearing it, and at the same time, my dressing gown was a tool of trade. I needed it to cover my body and to keep me warm in the cold nights when I was getting up all the time. I needed it, and I hated it. I hated that my inadequacy and my shame was so visible. Now, this is a theme that I'll come back to, but for now, I've brought my dressing gown along to give you a visual prompt about how I felt about mothers, or felt about my life for a long time. Motherhood has been really hard for me. Now, before I begin, as Amanda did, I just want to acknowledge that Mother's Day isn't easy for everyone. It's um, a celebration of the good things about a certain type of relationship, and if that relationship doesn't look the way you'd like it to, it can be really hard. Um, if that describes you, I pray that God would protect your heart today and that you would choose your thoughts carefully. In, um, I don't want to overlook you or your pain today, but rather we as a church would like to circle around you and support you and love you in that painful place. And there will be people at the front here when I finish speaking who would love to pray for you if you would like some more support. And I'm in that camp too. I need to watch my thoughts very carefully on Mother's Day. Now, because today is Mother's Day, I will be speaking from a mother's perspective. What I have to say is applicable to other identities too. Designing, building, making, testing, selling, cleaning, wearing, teaching, helping. If you find your worth and value, your identity in something that you do, I think that what I have to, apply, what I, what I have to say will apply to you too. Okay, a long time ago, when I was about this age, I couldn't wait to become a mother, and I thought it would make me really happy. I also thought I'd be really good at it. I shudder now when I think about how overconfident I was. I once worked as a child and family counsellor, and I saw children who were struggling with family separation, grief, um, anxiety, teens gaining, trying to get more independence. I really enjoyed that role, but I was so arrogant. I, I couldn't wait to have a go at parenting because I really thought it couldn't be as hard as some of my clients were making out. I just, I remember thinking, just give me a turn. Well, I did get a turn, and it's been the hardest thing I have ever done. I'm a mother to three children. My son, Jesse, here is four and a half. Jemima is not quite two. I've brought along my core flute kids because they stand still. <laughs> And some of you may also remember Leo. I don't have a re recent picture of him. He was born first, but died of cancer when he was three, and that's before the other two were born. I love talking about Leo. He's one of my favorite topics of conversation, and he'll always be part of our family. But today, he won't be my focus. I want to talk today about my response to motherhood and a dramatic change that took part in my thinking. Now, for me, every pregnancy and every birth has been physically traumatic, 
Each has been worse than the last in new and scary ways. There's a picture of me here back in hospital. I just couldn't seem to stay out after Jemima was born. There's a temptation for me to explain every complication in horrifying detail because they're mountains that I've climbed in private and I want recognition. <laughs> Go to any playgroup and you will see mums discussing their injuries together before they even know each other's names. I wanted people to know that things did not go well, I was not okay, and it wasn't my fault. Now, just an aside, when I was at uni and studying social psychology, I learned about something called self-attribution bias. It's a long word for a tendency that we all have, and that is when we see bad things happening to other people, we assume that it's due to internal factors. It's due to their, it's their fault. So, for example, if somebody is involved in a car accident, we assume that they made a mistake. They're just a bad driver. Alternatively, if something bad happens to us, we assume that it's due to external factors. It's not our fault. So, in the same car accident, we blame the conditions. It's due to something outside of us. The sun was in our eyes. The other car came out of nowhere. And when people find themselves in trouble and not coping, there is the tendency to offer advice when what we really need is for somebody to come alongside us in the pain and say, yeah, what happened was really awful. And we need that, whether it's our fault or not. Now, I mention this because I received a lot of advice after I had a baby, and when things got hard, and self-attribution bias helped me to understand a little bit about what was going on. It gave me a, a backdrop. And um, I explain that as a way of helping you understand where my head was at over the next few years. Okay, so back to my story. The first time, it took me about six to 12 months to physically recover from childbirth and pregnancy. Eventually, I managed to get dressed and do normal things, and I was really proud of what I'd overcome. And despite it all, I felt like a pretty good mum. I did all the right things. I breastfed, I did cloth nappies, I cooked healthy baby food, I read at least three stories a day, I cuddled my baby, I took him to music, the library, baby swimming lessons, pram walks outside, I drank lots of water, and eventually I joined the gym. It was exhausting, but clearly it was necessary because science said so. And all the other mums were doing it. Actually, they were doing it much better than I was too. I was constantly comparing myself to other mums and pushing myself to keep up. I couldn't wait until my first Mother's Day. I planned to rest all day while my husband, Kai, did everything I usually did. I thought he'd be amazed at how I fitted everything into a day, and there'd be flowers, cups of tea, thoughtful words, and finally I would be understood and appreciated. Well, my first Mother's Day did not go as I planned. I don't remember much about the day, except that I did all the tasks I normally did, and I felt really disappointed afterwards. I was probably quite grumpy, too. I still longed for recognition for all the physical and emotional pain, but I didn't know how to get it. Oh, and it was right about that time that I joined social media. It was like petrol on a people-pleasing flame. <laughs> Social media. I was constantly judging myself and comparing myself to others. 
I wanted to prove to everyone that even though things didn't go well in hospital, I was still a good person. I did that by providing evidence on social media. Every post was an opportunity to prove my worth. This produces feelings of pride, inferiority, and sometimes a mixture of both in a never-ending cycle. Sharing my highs seemed like it made me feel better, but never for long. Insecurity came back as soon as I saw another mum doing well. The most uncomfortable part of this cycle is that I couldn't see my part in it. I could only see the catty, unkind, and often illogical behaviour of other women. I couldn't understand why others appeared so mean when I was struggling to cope. And furthermore, we involve our children in this cycle. When we're not secure, how our child is doing becomes an extension of ourselves and how we're doing. Image is something we can control. You know, Jesse is reading so early. We're really proud of him. And he's reading not just books, but music as well. And Jemima, oh my goodness, Jemima walked so early and she did her first poo on the potty this morning. That's real. That is real. <laughs> there you go, honey. <laughs> um, she's, um, she's counting as well, up to 20 in both English and French. Yeah, yeah she is. And um, my kids, they don't eat sugar and they almost never get sick. They, they really own... Oh, they only um, need sticks and rocks to play with. We, we don't have any ugly toys at our house. We don't bother with that. Um, uh, oh, smile, sweetheart. Smile. I said smile for the camera, please. There we go. Yeah. And Jemima, I'm just going to put a bit of dirt on you to make you look a bit more free range. There we go. I don't want people to think that my house is too clean. We, we have germs. There we go. Yes. Careful, specially placed germs. And um, can, you, can you look a bit more whimsical and carefree? Try closing your eyes and opening them fast. There we go. That's better. That's nice. Yes, that's what I want. And um, Jesse, Jesse, I said smile and, and jump, jump higher. The sun has to be underneath you and point your toes. Remember, we're having fun. Smile! <sighs> Up there, oh, we had some, some jumping over the sun pictures. Up there, it looks really lovely. But in real life, it gets quite ugly. No mummy, no more photos. Please phone down. A nasty side effect of the pride and insecurity cycle is that we often choose to hurt others in order to protect our fragile self-worth. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew 28, 11. I know that verse so well and have been a Christian for years, yet here I am in my dressing gown of shame, feeling insecure and exhausted. Jesus just doesn't seem to help except to make me feel guilty for maybe not reading my Bible enough. Maybe I could read, maybe I could have a read now. So here I am, miserable and exhausted in my awful dressing gown, unable to keep up, and miserable that so many other women seem cruel 
but unable to see my part in it and the effect that I'm having on other people. I can't see that the problem is me. At this time, I knew about Jesus. I knew he died to take away my sin, but it wasn't helping me to live well. I imagined that he was constantly disappointed with me. I listened to a lot of messages at that time um, from different places with people that kept talking about righteousness. It's a word that I'd heard a lot of, but I didn't really know what it meant. To me, it was a kind of church word that people used to make their, their prayers sound important. Suddenly, everywhere I turned, people were explaining imputed righteousness, and when I finally listened properly, it changed everything. Now, have you ever seen the three circles illustration before? I'll draw it for you now. It's a very simple picture that explains righteousness and salvation. Um, Can I have the fat marker? Was there a fat marker? No, okay. Okay, so the three circles illustration goes like this. Everywhere we look in the world, we see brokenness. That's the first circle. War, suffering, death, sickness, it's everywhere. But God didn't create the world to be full of brokenness. So we have the second circle. This circle represents God's perfect design. God's perfect design was a world without brokenness, a world full of love and joy and peace. But what we did is we sinned. Sin can be anything from lying to murder. It's doing life our own way. What sin did is it separated us from God's perfect design and threw us into brokenness. Now, people try all sorts of things to try and escape from brokenness. That's what these arrows are. Now, escaping from brokenness could be drugs, alcohol. It could be chasing a career and money. It could be dieting or chasing the perfect body at the gym. Or in my case, it could be trying to be the perfect mother. It doesn't fix the problem. It's like a bungee cord. The harder we pull, the harder it snaps us right back into brokenness. But what God did is he didn't want to leave us in that place. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus was God. He had no sin, and when he died and rose again, he took our son, he took our sin, and he cancelled it. He absolutely crushed it. And he said if we would turn away from our sin, believe in Jesus, and make him king of our lives, that's a crown, then we become a new creation and he will restore us back into his original design. We become a new person in Christ. And Jesus restores us back into relationship with him. 
Now, this picture shows that there are two parts to a relationship with Jesus. First, we need to let him take our sin. And the second part is we need to let him make us a new creation. That's righteousness, and that's the part I was missing. Righteousness is being right with God. He's not mad, he's not disappointed, he's genuinely happy to see us. And imputed means treated as if it belongs to us. It's not, but it's treated as if it is. He places his righteousness on us. Jesus places his righteousness on us, and that's what he sees. It's, it's a precious gift. And he places it on us, gives it to us. He places it on us like a beautiful piece of clothing. And just as I was starting to understand that, I saw this verse. Isaiah 61.10. I delight greatly in the Lord, for my soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself in her jewels. How's that? (laughs) Bet you didn't know there was a robe of righteousness in there. When I finally saw this verse and contrasted it with my earthly dressing gown, I was amazed. In fact, I may have cried. Often when I see things with my spiritual eyes, my physical eyes will get teary. And the other verse that came to mind, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And if you keep going, it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The righteousness is so light, I can hardly feel it. My old thinking was, I'm saved, so now I'm better. But then my brain would kick in and I'd think, I don't feel better. So I have to check that I have it. I show pe- I've got to show people and perform it, but that doesn't work. I just get snapped right back into brokenness. I'm going backwards. Instead, we can go to Jesus. We remember our righteousness when we go to him and we ask to see it. It's what he's won. It's like a trophy. It's ours, but we can only see it when we're with him. (sighs) Now, you may have heard people talk about having a quiet time in the morning or 20 minutes in the chair. Part of what they're doing in that time is going to Jesus and asking to see their righteousness again, to receive their affirmation from Jesus instead of Instagram. Rather than checking for likes and comments all through the day, we can go to Jesus as often as we like. And every time we feel that tug of insecurity, we can whisper Jesus' name and he'll help us to see the truth with our spiritual eyes. I think this might be part of what it means to be Jesus-centered. And now, instead of partnering with social, oh, sorry, now that I'm not trying to gain the approval of every single person on social media, I can focus on my children 
I can stop putting my brokenness on them. I can journey with them at their pace and I can enjoy them. Oh, that face. And I feel that I need to say that autism and ADHD, that cannot take away, take away my righteousness. And neither can death. Now, instead of partnering with the Holy Spirit, instead of partnering, partnering with social media, I partner with the Holy Spirit to parent my children. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what they need and when. And you may be wondering, if I'm going to tell you to quit social media. I'm not going to do that. The problem is not the behaviours themselves. There is nothing essentially wrong with me choosing cloth nappies, breastfeeding, quitting sugar, limiting screen time, or even communicating over social media. The problem is the pride insecurity cycle and trying to escape brokenness on our own. The problem is the state of our heart and our motivation. Now, the Holy Spirit challenged me to check my motives. Could I do things without drawing attention to them? Could I go for a walk without taking a selfie? Could I enjoy a flower without photographing it? Could I read my Bible without making an announcement? Could I go to a restaurant and enjoy being there without touching my phone or taking a photo? Could I meet up with a dear girlfriend and not post on social media about how much fun I had? If not, I still had a problem. And a while ago, Pastor Steve challenged us to check our motivations when posting online. He said, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And I also asked myself, who is the post for? Would it be more appropriate in a private message or maybe um, a message to a small group? When I started asking these questions, my posting reduced by about 80%. Now, we can't be responsible for other people's thoughts, but we can choose to be kind. So now, if I have a date with a dear girlfriend, I share the photos, but just with her. And if I want to thank her for her friendship, I tell her, not social media. Our relationship benefits, and nobody is jealous. No pride, no insecurity. Now, there are times for public celebration, absolutely, but not several times a day and certainly not as often as we need to feel secure. There are only two types of people in this world, those who are living in brokenness and those who are in God's perfect design. I'm not stuck in brokenness anymore. I don't need to go to the old places to check on my worth, and I can stop asking the old question, am I good enough? Where do you see yourself today? Where would you like to be? Is there anything stopping you from turning your attention to Jesus, believing in him, and allowing him to be Lord and King of your life? I did it. 
And this Mother's Day, I feel different. Content. Now, I'm still the mother of small children. I'm still wearing the same blue dressing gown. However, I feel different because I know that Jesus has placed a shining robe of righteousness on me. And I can go to him for assurance any time I like. Nothing has changed except my thinking. Our Father, thank you for sending Jesus to cancel our sin. Thank you for giving us the righteousness that we long for and will never be able to get on our own. Please show us this in ways that we can understand. Amen. Now, if you would like to make a change like I did, there will be a team of people down the front here waiting to pray for you. God bless.